You've found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you have been listening to and enjoying our little podcast, please consider helping us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. Alright everybody, before we get started, let me just talk again a little bit about our patron page, our Patreon page. It's five bucks a month. It's the best way you could support the show. Uh, it helps us to keep us going. It helps us to keep us completely ad-free as much as humanly possible. Uh, and you can just sign up by going to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Island. Sign up there. Again, five bucks a month. You get exclusive access to a live chat during the U.S. broadcast of each new episode of The Curse of Oak Island. Plus, I got some other uh, stuff, some kind of blog-related stuff just for patrons uh, that'll be going up this summer. Uh, you can cancel anytime you want. I want to thank Craig for his support. Welcome to the family. Uh, thank you so much for becoming a patron. And again, folks, patreon.com slash Island. Sign up, support the podcast. It's five bucks a month. You can cancel at any time. And also, if you prefer not to do the monthly thing, makes all the sense in the world to me. You can just make a one-time donation uh, to the podcast via Venmo. Just use the username at Dave McBride Music. I'm a musician by trade. That's my virtual tip jar. You can just use that there. All right. Now, as I told you in last week's podcast, I asked you for your thoughts and opinions on season 10 of The Curse of Oak Island. And boy, did you deliver. So much so that we actually needed to split this up into two different podcasts or else I'd probably lose my voice reading all these incredible messages you guys sent. So go back and have a listen to the last podcast if you want to hear those first few emails and messages. But before we get into this week's season 10 review messages, I do have a couple of emails I want to get to that aren't necessarily part of a sort of a season 10 review. So let's get into that. First up is to follow up from last week's message from our patron and friend Dara, who I said I thought kind of accused Rick and Marty Lagina and Craig Tester of being sort of frauds, you know, she wanted to clear the record. She wrote this. Hi there. I didn't mean to disparage or throw shade on the Lakinas at all in my review. Apparently, I wasn't clear about my thoughts. I want to elaborate on what I said about Marty and Craig. I don't think they're faking or hiding, but I do believe they're extremely strategic in what they allow to be released to the public. This isn't a conspiracy theory, but an assessment of how they manage their team and what they do behind the scenes. Of course, they want to be successful in uncovering the mystery or activity on the island. But they are a private enterprise and have to play their cards closely to avoid losing sole control of the exploration. This isn't evil or dishonest. It's just good business. Go back and watch episode one of Beyond Oak Island. Listen to the questions that Marty asks the treasure hunters and then listen to his responses. He is so smart. At any rate, I wanted to clarify since my review came across as a conspiracy theory, can't wait for the offseason. Dara, thank you so much. Yeah, that was my instinct, right? I, I didn't think you would want to do that. Like, it just doesn't, just doesn't, didn't seem like you to me. So that's why I kind of questioned that. Um, but it was how I was reading your email for whatever reason. I'm not very smart. So it does, doesn't surprise me in any, any way that I got it all completely wrong. Thank you for your patience and thank you for all that. You're the best. Um, now, 
Another non-season 10 review email. This one comes from Marilee, who says, well, everyone knew there was gold in Nova Scotia. When one of the episodes over the past 10 seasons mentioned the gold on the mainland, I did find that troublesome. Troublesome in a way that if one wants the treasure to exist on Oak Island, one does not want to know gold occurs naturally. I like Jeff's email, even if he has not stayed in the Holiday Inn Express, when he mentioned what he had learned from watching Gold Rush of the natural occurrence of gold veins and how to test for the pay dirt layer. And you said your wife had never bothered to mention it. I laughed out loud. I'm serious, Marily. She watched this show for years. I mean, religiously, every Friday night, if I remember correctly. And crickets. This stuff came on nothing. She had nothing to say. Anyway. I digress. She continues. Treasure or no treasure, the presence of Roman coins and documentation of earlier voyages has me excited for next season. Thank you so much for your hard work uh, and what you do to bring us acorns together and creating the podcast we enjoy so much, Merrily. Merrily, um, first of all, thank you for writing in for the kind words. I really appreciate that. It's great stuff. Uh, you always add so much to all of these shows and all these conversations. Yeah, gold does seem to occur naturally in the area of Nova Scotia. But I'll be honest with you, I would really hope the scientists would be able to tell the difference from looking at these test results, right? They have indicated a couple of times that it doesn't appear these results are due to natural deposits, but those indications have always been sort of these fleeting comments with little explanation about why they think that. If I could suggest one thing to the producers for the beginning of season 11... It would be to give us more of just that. Convince us it's likely not a natural phenomenon. And the fandom will get seriously pumped about all of this, as pumped as Marty Lagina seems to be about it, right? It's exciting stuff, but the lack of information that we get sometimes encourages doubters and the conspiracy theorists out there, right, who are always looking to, I feel to me like they're always looking to kind of bring the show down. Oh, anyway, all right, let's get into it. Let's talk about your opinions of season 10 of The Curse of Oak Island. Maybe I'll give mine a little bit here, too, at the end of the podcast. Uh, I said a bit after the finale about what I think and stuff, but we'll just do a little bit more here. I add a little bit more to it. Let's start off with an email from John. It's a long one, so here it goes. Hi, Dave. Love your podcast. A few thoughts on some various topics. The Garden Shaft. As cool, it was, as cool as it was to get underground in the Money Pit area, I feel like this project ended up impeding progress this year. In previous years, they probably would have sunk a 10-foot can or two right down through the baby blob, and we'd have results already. I've, I have a feeling the shaft is going to end up being a tourist attraction where visitors who come to the island can take a safety course, then descend into the shaft with a guide. That could have been what held up the permitting process earlier this year. I'm really starting to believe the gold mining theory. I'm sure the first thing explorers did when they got to a new place was to pan and then mine for gold. Then if you found any, you'd surely try to keep it to yourself and not let the word get out. Hence the lack of documentation. Hopefully the muon tomography helps point them in the right direction. But I have to admit, I was hoping for more anomalies in the digger, digging deeper reveal. Would we even be able to tell the difference between a gold mine and an empty gold sh and an empty treasure shaft at this point? Let me stop here and interject a little bit. John, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure we could tell the difference because how different are they really, right? Um, and also, again, I said this last week, I would give the Muon stuff a little bit more time. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I'm starting to really like this gold mine theory. 
this might have some legs. Anyway, let's get back to the email. Um, he Next subject he tackles is the swamp. He writes, maybe I'm alone, but I'm much less interested in a stone road path ramp than I am where those might lead to. And it seems the team spends so much time probing under and around those features rather than following them to wherever they lead. It's been a few years now, and those features rather than uh, if sorry, it's been a few years now. And if they ever found the terminus, I don't believe it would it was shown on the show. Maybe, as you always say, it was done off camera and just didn't yield anything interesting. All that said, next year's plan looks extremely ambitious. Completely surrounding the swamp with steel piling seems like it would be very expensive. Maybe it was just another harebrained scheme like Rick's tunnel boring machine. But the fact that the show already drew up graphics for it leads me to believe they may actually do it. That could be interesting. Uh, I'm going to stop again. John, you really kind of... Uh, Pop the balloon there with the tunnel boring machine, right? I mean, uh, yeah, they, they do have a tendency to uh, to say they might do a project and then not get to the project, like the Big Dig and such, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he continues, Lot 5. Why don't they ever mention the finds of the previous owner of Lot 5? It's on the internet for all those to see. So are we? So as we try to decipher the meaning of all the new finds, wouldn't it help to put them in context with all the old finds? Is it just because they weren't the ones to find them? Seems crazy. They didn't find the 90-foot stone either, but it doesn't stop them from talking about it all the time. The previous owner obviously explored the lot with a metal detector, so it seems odd that Gary was able to find as much as he did. I have to imagine the previous owner is somewhat angry that Laird is suddenly so interested in the stone feature. When they asked him to look at it, he just said it was probably the foundation of an old barn and didn't look any further, although perhaps that's all that all turns out to be, uh, and the show is just overhyping it. I'm going to stop again. John, anything I can say about that last part there is pure speculation, um, and on any of this stuff, you know, like uh, on the, the, the previous owner, whose name was Robert Young, by the way, um, Maybe he asked them not to mention his work. You know, maybe uh, the people, his family, because uh, he's since passed away, maybe his family doesn't want to mention it on the show. Um, sure, there could be an element of we didn't find it, so we're not going to discuss it. But you know what? If you take the time to look at Mr. Young's finds, there are a lot of things on there <laughs> that look very familiar to us now. You know, go and have a look at the website and you'll see what I mean. I'm not sure. Uh, the documentation or the, the the images of these finds really help their case. Certainly, in a lot of instances, you'll see it uh, kind of, to use this word again, burst the bubble of, uh, of Gary Drayton, the finds he has. Anyway, back to the email. Boulderless Beach. If I owned a piece of waterfront property, I'd try to clear it of the boulders too, either for recreation or just to have a safe place to pull my boat ashore. Not sure what's so mysterious about it. My uncle owned property along the Hudson River in upstate New York, and every summer we'd spend a day clearing it of rocks and seaweed so we'd have a nice place to hang out and launch our canoes and kayaks. In the war room, we didn't get as many crackpot sessions this year, but the war room scene in the last episode made me think about how great it would be if we could see the entire unedited or minimally edited scene. It could be its own show right after the show, perhaps called Oak Island War Room or Crown Time. Great idea. Um, I'd much rather watch that with the entire team than Maddie Blake with a portion of the team. Keep clips of the crackpot sessions or war room scenes in the actual show, but then tune in afterwards and watch the entire scene. 
I would love that, and I'm sure many other show watchers would as well. We've gotten to know these guys over the last 10 years, and it's easy to feel like we're just part of the dig team. A show like that would really be great. Talking about different theories, analyzing finds, or just shooting the breeze and telling jokes. They obviously know they have a likable cast. They've tried to market other shows with Rick and Marty, but this is what I think people are really looking for. Sorry for the long email. It's just a brain dump. All of my thoughts from last several weeks. Your fan, John. John, thank you so much. Great email. I get a little tongue-tied when I start reading that long, but your last idea there about a show that expands on the crackpot sessions and war room meetings, that's a fantastic idea. I've said this many times before, but it, it always bears repeating here. Every person I've ever known who sat in on those crackpot sessions, every scientist or author or theorist, researcher, they all say the same thing about their experience. They were in that room for hours and hours. They presented tons of information and evidence. And it all gets chopped down to like a two-minute long scene at best. I would absolutely love to see these theories expanded on, the evidence presented, and even kind of like a back and forth from everyone around the table about it. I honestly don't know why the producers don't think this is a good idea for the show, for the show itself, right? The mystery is what we're here for. And that's part of that really is the history and the theories. That's what we like. I don't care about ox shoes and nails and sure, the things that Gary Drayton says are funny, but that's not why we're there. That's not why people watch. We watch because it's an intriguing mystery. It's one that intrigued people for two centuries plus. The history is what makes Oak Island so compelling. If done right, a show or even just an episode or two like this, right? Just devote uh, more than two minutes. Devote a couple, you know, almost half an episode to one of these things. Uh, just like you describe here, John, you know, it would be a welcome addition for the fans. I have no doubt about that. All right. Going to take a short break. We'll be back with more of your messages on season 10 of The Curse of Oak Island. All right, let's get right back into it. Here's another long email. This one is from a listener named Steve who writes, Hi, Dave. It's been quite a while since I've written, though I have not missed and thoroughly enjoyed the, all the podcasts. Keep up the good work. A word of thanks for introducing Pirates Fan Forum and Gary Morgan. I started following as soon as I heard you refer to him and have not been disappointed in the podcast about the Pirates. Well, let's just say April was great, but May seems more like reality. And now we're even on to June because you wrote this a uh, couple of weeks ago. And uh, June has kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for us. Anyway, he writes, still like Oak Island, hope springs eternal. Um, yeah, Steve, uh, Gary is great. So is Jim, the other guy on the show. And and if you go over there now, you'll actually hear me on the show. He had they had me on. I'm going to have Gary on here uh, soon this summer because I want to have sort of a fan's perspective. And I know Gary's a lifelong fan of this stuff uh, of Oak Island. So we're going to get Gary on a great podcaster. Great sense of humor. I mean, it's just a lot of fun to hang around. So, you know, the pirates are the pirates. We're almost there, but we're not there yet, right? All right. Let me continue here. Um, where were we? My thoughts on season 10. This is Steve again. First and foremost, I enjoyed the season and will watch as long as it's on the air. I long ago made the transition from hoping they find a treasure to this is a very interesting historical archaeological investigation. All the people on the show are decent, interesting individuals, and the total package of finds, trips abroad, and introduction to new science and specialists make for a very good program. 
My overall impression for season 10 is there was not enough new information for 25 episodes. Plus, if we subtract out all the shows repeating past stories and events, there was even less new content. It's obvious the shows and producers and editors control the information flow to stretch out the programs. I think you have mentioned this several times also. I wish they would share much more information quicker, though, to be fair. Some of the finds need significant research which takes time and money. For example, the Muon survey result, the gold in the water analysis, the magnetometer readings, which turned out to be a rock, all need a deeper dive and explanation to the viewers. The last episode, Cliffhanger, was especially bad. Who could, who could possibly believe they would stop for cold weather down an 80-foot shaft? It would be warm, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, when they are feet from promising hit on the metal detector. I suppose we shouldn't complain too much. Discovery has a lot of expenses to cover making this show, so if they need a few more bucks to buy some more nice equipment for the lab, a drawn-out season is a small price to pay. The opening of Lot 5 has added to the many loose strings which comprise the ball of yarn we know as Oak Island. I believe there are multiple stories to be told. The island has been utilized and occupied for a few hundred years. That is evident. And what a wide range of artifacts found reflects this history. I'm trying to think of any theory which has been totally put to rest, but I cannot. I'd like to see more content about the First Nations finds, the military visits, or occupation, possibly connections to the Revolutionary War, just to name a few. It's time to conclude if these findings go anywhere important or not, then let us know. The trips to Europe are always welcome. I assume someone has done a detailed inspection of the sites before they visit, and we just see the major finds. They don't spend much time nor seem to have any special equipment other than flashlights when they are at these various sites. I would like to think they should take a 3D scan inside the site so they can get a detailed view. I'm still not all in on the Portuguese road. I'm not an engineer, but I don't see any common features which seems unique between Oak Island and the road in Portugal. If I've missed something, please let me know. No, you really haven't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure yet which is my preferred theory. There is just no conclusive proof for any particular theory. I think the dates are believable. We just need the physical evidence of who it was. Too many of the artifacts lack context to where they were found. So there is not much which can be learned. A Roman coin could have been a lucky charm for some sailor who stopped by Oak Island and lost it. We don't know. Some of my favorite parts are when Laird or any of the other archaeologists are presenting. They do their best to stick to the science. I'm looking forward to your upcoming interview with him, by the way. I'm working on that. Uh, the treasure has been found. It's the story itself. Cheers, Steve. Great stuff, Steve. Thank you for all of that. Um, not much really for me to add here, um, uh, but I like what you said there of if there needs to be a few more bucks to buy some nice equipment for the lab, a drawn out season is a small price to pay. Uh, you know, maybe that is kind of the way we should all be thinking of this sometimes, right? I'm often talking about things that bother many viewers, like the repeating of fines or the repeating of evidence, the hanging on to the Templar theory, the constant Templar B-roll footage and all that kind of stuff. And I say things like I'm kind of used to that now and uh, it doesn't bother me as much as it does some listeners. Um, I think when I get right down to it, it's because of what you said right here is kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, you know, maybe I'm used to it, but I also kind of forgive it because I know what they're trying to accomplish. Right. Let me say it like this. If we want the most intense, the most expensive, the most exhaustive research on Oak Island in 225 plus years of the history of the dig, let's face it, that's what we've been getting these last few years, and that costs a lot of money, 
Uh, you know, so that money needs to be generated somehow. Um, and I think, Steve, you're kind of onto something here. We just sort of need to be a little more patient with this stuff sometimes, myself included. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I've, I've been just as guilty as this as, as anybody else. Anyway, great points. Thank you so much. Let's go to another pretty long email to get in here. Uh, this one is from our man in England. Gary, who writes, hi, Dave, just a thought, just a thought I would give you my thoughts on the season and what I think season 11 will bring. Overall, I thought we learned nothing new with the exception of the investigation of the well, the wall and the stone pit features. There is a story to uncover here, which I think deserves a series to itself without the treasure hunt. As far as the treasure goes, the team seems to have put all their eggs in one basket for next season. They have narrowed down their search to a very specific area. And I feel that if the garden shaft and the baby blob fail to deliver the goods, then that may well signal the end of the hunt for gold. I cannot see how they can justify searching in another location, given how much they have pushed the gold readings in the garden shaft. Now for my big beef. In episode 21, we saw coin expert Sandy Campbell declare that the lead token found by Gary Drayton was a barter token. We had dealt with a similar one before, and he had a document from the British Museum to prove it was Roman. In the episode, we never got to see much detail in the document, but guess what? I found the document in the online archives of the British Museum, and I have attached a copy. The item shown in this document is definitely Roman, but the artifact is identified simply as a disc, not a barter token. This artifact was recovered from a Roman excavation back in the 1980s. Now, in the UK, we have a system called por Portable Antiquities Scheme I like the use of the word scheme there, whereby people can submit artifacts they have found for appraisal. I attached a report on a uh, virtually identical artifact, and it gives a detailed explanation of what it is. It's a child's toy known as a whirligig. The one shown is post-medieval, but this type of toy has been around for millennia. So it's no surprise to find a Roman version. I know some experienced metal detectorists, and they tell me these are fairly common finds. So if Gary Drayton has not found one of these before and says he does not know what it is, I have to question either his experience or his integrity. As for the coin expert, if he has sold one of these barter tokens, I feel someone is owed a refund. <laughs> Apologies for the long email, but had to get this off my chest. I shall now spend my summer excavating a medieval moated manor site with a with not an Akshu or Templar insight, regards Gary. Gary, as always, incredible information. Um, again, I think I would only caution here that we don't actually get to see what people like, you know, all of what people like Gary Drayton even and Sandy Campbell say to the rest of the guys about what they uh, what they find and what they think it could be. We get a very edited version of what they say. And the show's detractors, the show's detractors will tell you that the only things that we ever really, you know, that ever really get past the editors are those things that make whatever they're talking about sound as intriguing and as mysterious as absolutely possible. Meaning, if the experts do suggest something more mundane, like a toy or something like that, as another possibility for whatever this is, maybe the viewers don't ever really get to see him say that. Now, I know from people I've spoken to that this does indeed happen to some degree. I'm not making this up, right? I'm not sure exactly when uh, or how often it happens, and I have no specific information about the particular thing you're talking about here. Um, but Gary, I guess my point is this. 
I would hold off attacking Gary Drayton or Sandy Campbell's integrity and give them the benefit of the doubt that they might have been and often have been just sort of a victim of editing. You know, it's the latest in the long line of such victims. Let's be honest. All right. On to a patron. Uh, This is Mark. Hey, Dave, just finished watching the end of season drilling down episode and I'm ready to give the season my two cents. Canadian. (laughs) The season started pretty good as they usually do, though some things got repetitive pretty fast, like the show, like showing the garden shaft for 10 minutes at the start of each episode with having less to say than your average drama teacher in high school. Seems like wasted screen time to me when there is plenty of Love Island sexiness to be had on Oak Island. Lot 5 was interesting. I was surprised by how many artifacts they uncovered on that lot. We could only hope the former lot-owning dentist was better at finding cavities than treasure. He clearly was not as good with the metal detector as Gary, who clearly has a firm grip on his magic uh, rod when out detecting. Gary, Mark, uh, Mark, I think you might be selling uh, Mr. Young short a little bit here. To um, 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 Thankfully, that's not part of the same pun. Uh, again, check out the website that I mentioned. Um, he has a ton of stuff that uh, Mr. Young found. Anyway, Mark continues. Now, those first foundations or whatever it was, they found under those tree roots where Gary found that pottery. What happened to that? Two lady archaeologists were happily digging there. And then it just disappeared. It would be nice to know what they figured it was one way or another. Didn't they date that to the mid-1700s? The never-freezing well is cool, but again, not much of a conclusion given. Wasn't there a debris field of some sorts nearby? I can't remember if that was this season or last. The flying saucer landing spot on Lot 5 is interesting. Hope we learn what it is. Maybe it was a swimming pool or a drinking hole for cattle. I'm curious to see what the garden shaft will bring. I hope an insurmountable pile of treasure that will spontaneously make me do a bit of a naughty wee, but I'm pretty sure they will find nothing. The Italy trip was neat but also rather a load of bollocks. <laughs> a cave in the shape of a lead cross doesn't mean anything. It's a universal symbol. The thing that with Alex and the HIC turning into the HO stone is just silly. Hard to believe that was making presumably intelligent grown men giddy like a group of schoolgirls watching their first makeup tutorial. It just isn't true, is it? No. Uh, I think the same can be said for the archaeoastronomy. We can all create some lines and align it to Nolan's cross, Its veracity is about as doubtful as the promises of your average politician. Finally, nice to hear about the muons. I wonder if it will line up with what they got from the seismic data. But then again, don't think that that did much for them in the end. Not too surprising that the various stone, path, ramp, road areas in the swamp connect to each other. It kind of makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what they find if they go ahead with the sheet pilings. Drain the swamp. (laughs) anyways these are my thoughts looking forward to some off season uh and hopefully some interviews laird and gordon faber always good take care mark mark as always my friend you have a funny and what's the word i'm looking for irreverent way of expressing your feelings about oak island that is probably much of which is lost by the fact that i'm not saying it with a british accent um but it is always nonetheless appreciated here by all of us on the podcast and listen man If you're going to put in your two cents, you know, at least make it U.S., right? Stop selling yourself short. Your thoughts are at least worth the, whatever, 30% extra value or whatever the exchange rate is now. And the flying saucer landing spot. Are you proposing a new theory here? I like it. I like it a lot. Start working on that theory. 
Could it be ancient aliens? Could be. If any new theory is going to make the show, man, that's one of them, Mark. <laughs> All the best, my friend. Thank you, as always, for your support. Going to take another short break, catch my breath, come back and conclude the uh, listeners season 10 review. All right, let's go to another old friend, someone who has been with the podcast for quite some time. This is Dan, who says, being a Curse of Oak Island fan is a lot like being a gambling addict (laughs) who keeps losing his money. Then the next day says, today is the day I'm going to hit the big one. I always go into the episode so excited and hopeful. And then at the end, I feel so deflated. And then like the gambler. They show the coming next week scene and bam, instantly my hopefulness and excitement is back. Um, Dan, before we continue, you've just described, I think, every treasure hunter who's ever hunted on Oak Island as well. Anyway, back to the email. I really thought this was going to be the year that they would find something that would validate the dig. Funny, I first put the year we would find something. I guess I feel like I'm part of the fellowship. Yeah, We all do sometimes. The show ending when Gary got the non-Ferris hit and they didn't begin to dig it up, I literally jumped out of my chair and yelled, you've got to be kidding me. If I was there, you would have had to shoot me to keep me from jumping in that muck and pulling out whatever that hit was. From what I gather, there is a lot of uproar about that scene, but I haven't heard mention of what Marty said after the hit. I tried to watch the scene again to get a direct quote, but history doesn't have it available on demand as of this writing. But basically, he said, there is no way I'm going to jeopardize this dig by going down and digging this up. Dave, maybe you have this recorded and can get the exact quote. My sense was that they didn't have the proper permits and permission to go and get it. Maybe they couldn't dig below the depths of the planks they were on or something like that. I know they drilled below the planks, but maybe digging is a separate issue. I did find it curious that there was no mention of this in the last Drilling Down episode. I find this non-Ferris hit at the bottom of the garden shaft the most exciting find or clue in the history of the show. All in all, I think this was the best season ever. Also, I think if they don't find anything definitive next year, they will probably end their search. Or at least quit searching at the level they are now. Also, I find it interesting that after all the mentions of the incoming weather and that they had to end the search for this year... In the final scene, everybody driving across the causeway, (laughs) it was an absolutely gorgeous day. I was like, turn around, get back in the garden shaft. Well, it's going to be a long wait until November. And to me, what makes it worse is is that they are there right now. They've already dug up the target in the garden shaft. They have the Muon results. Heck, they may have even found the one thing. Well, I hope you can do some interviews this season. Boy, if you could get Gary, that would be awesome, Dan. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for your email. And of course, for all your support over the years. Dan is 100% correct. There is a lot of chatter about this scene. A lot of very frustrated viewers. Um, and, you know, uh, it has the conspiracy theorists like in a tizzy. You know, there's no other way to put it. Um, so maybe what we should do here is go a little more in depth to it, right? Uh, kind of go back through the scene a bit again. So let's, this is basically the, my sort of long and short of how this went. Gary comes down to the bottom of the shaft. It appears to be uh, perhaps raining as we see a lot of water drops coming down in some of the images here. We see them through the camera images, right? 
Someone then lowers his detector down to him, and Rick tells Gary he should expect to find a lot of modern nails and wires, things like that, down in this hole. Gary says that won't be a problem, and he explains that the reason is because he chose this CTX3030 metal detector because this is a te- detector that has what he calls quote-unquote discrimination, which I assume means it can tell right when you're doing it the difference between nails and something more valuable. Now, Rick and Marty then remove a floorboard and tell Gary that there's a two-foot hole down there. Uh, Again, Rick and Marty, you know, kind of get him down into this spot. He sits down on the remaining floorboards. The the hole is filled with water. I'm not sure if this is groundwater or if this is rainwater. Seems like quite a lot to be rainwater, but you never know. Either way, Gary extends the detector down and soon gets what he excitingly calls the best sounding target and then later describes it as, quote, a screaming large hit. Gary then gets out of the hole. There's a lot of smiles from everyone. And the narrator says, quote, is it possible that Gary has detected evidence of the fabled Oak Island treasure in the muddy soil just a few feet below the bottom of the garden shaft? Or could the signals be coming from the believed tunnel some 10 feet below? Well, let me just answer that second question for Mr. Clotworthy there. Uh, no, a metal detector cannot detect 10 feet below. Uh, I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I read up a little bit about it. Uh, that is just not what a metal detector is capable of. So whatever this is that he's getting is fairly close to the surface. You know, I mean, I don't think metal detectors, even the best ones, go much below two feet. Now, here's the confusing bit. And I think this is what you're referencing here, Dan. The narration then calls this a quote-unquote, bittersweet uh, moment, because as he says, quote, at this point in the year, Dumas does not have the legal permits to extend the shaft any deeper, and Rick and Marty cannot risk the future of the project, nor the safety of their team, by attempting to breach the bottom of the shaft to explore what could be dangerously unstable ground below. And here is where the conspiracy theorists come in, right? In order to find this hit from a metal detector, Do they really need to, as they say, get the legal permits to extend the shaft deeper? From what we see here in this scene, that seems rather unlikely. But listen, folks, as much as I agree that this is a frustrating scene, um, and and I do agree with you on that, uh, what are we really trying to say, right? Are we trying to say they're lying to us? Are we trying to say they really could look but just didn't want to? (laughs) So they can instead look next season because that makes no sense at all, right? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. What I think is more likely is this is probably another victim of the editing. Something like, um, you know, they probably did search around a little bit more, much more than we saw in this scene. And for some reason, they concluded they couldn't go any further. They couldn't, they couldn't continue the search. They couldn't go down and find what this is. We just never saw that. We never saw what that is. Instead... In, in the interest of time and to wrap it up at the end of the season, they told us it was because, uh, you know, time is running out and it's cold outside. I mean, none of us really believe that, right? None of us really believe that's the case, but, and there's good reason not to believe it. it doesn't make any sense. So there's got to be another reason, right? There's got to be another another uh, motivation behind it. So my thinking is to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they did search a little bit. They got a hit. They couldn't dig the hit out. Um, and they're concluding that the hit is deeper than he thought, and they're going to have to actually do some more intense work here. I think also (laughs) that there is also um, 
conspiracy theorists out there who kind of believe from what I'm reading two basic things. One, they either found something not important and just edited this scene to make it look like it was a cliffhanger, right? And they they found something it wasn't important, they edited the scene to make it look like they didn't actually know so they can make a cliffhanger out of it. Or they did find something important. But for television purposes, they wanted to keep it up for next season. That seems to be the two things that conspiracy theorists say. And I don't think either one of them makes very much sense and seems very likely to me. I just, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. You know, why would they do that? Um, you know, it, it's one hit. He's not going to pull out a treasure chest. If he pulls out a little gold coin or something, that's just as good a, a, a cliffhanger, if not a better cliffhanger than the one we got, right? So why would they have lied to us about that? Um, sure, it is possible that they pulled something out. It was nothing. You know, it was a, a ring from, a, you know, a, a wedding ring from a previous searcher or something. Uh, that's very possible. And then they just didn't tell us that because they wanted to make the cliffhanger. I could see that as at least plausible, but I don't find it plausible that they found something big and then told, you know, decided just not to say anything so that we can all watch next year. Either way, Dan, you're right. This is the scene that's going to have everyone chattering. For better or for worse, this is what we'll be talking about for most of this summer. If nothing else, the editors are very, very good at, at uh, creating that sort of cliffhanger thing, right? Remember the ship in the swamp, the gold in the water, you name it. This is what they do. And they did it again in season 10. All right. Let me wrap up my sort of take on season 10 here by just saying a couple of things. Um... I enjoyed this season a lot. I really did. As much as I, as much as really any season, right? There were new things, really cool new things, the rock pit, the Italy trip. Um, and they were really quite compelling to me and made for great television. But I mean, we can't ignore the issues from the season, right? Listen, I know I make a lot of what to some listeners sounds like complaints about the editing choices in the direction of the show. But let me just say the vast majority of those are definitely more suggestions for me than complaints, really. The general consensus, it seems, among my listeners is that the show is perhaps getting a bit stale, right? I don't believe this, but the people do. Or maybe even somewhat too predictable, if that's probably a better way to say it. Um, just like last year, I think they're on... I think there are things they can do to alter this course. Just like I said last year, there are changes they can make. Just the editing and presentation alone, I think, would really make a big difference for fans of The Curse of Oak Island, a bigger focus on theories and research, a broader peek behind the scenes into the struggles amid the negotiations these guys have to go through, and so on and so forth, right? Let's get away from the idea of trying to make it look like they found something every single episode, because if nothing else, it really kind of lowers the buzz factor around a few of those things that are pretty interesting, that actually are a little compelling. Am I making sense? I've said this all before, so I'm not going to belabor it too much here, but I wanted to say something after all this talk on this podcast about the issues with the show. I just kind of wanted to tell you what I think. Now, as far as the nuts and bolts of this year's dig, I was actually really happy during the postseason drilling down episode to hear Craig talk about the big challenges they faced just to get the projects off and going this season because it answered a lot of questions for me. The garden shafts seemed to take much longer than I expected. So did the work in the swamp, and especially the exploratory drilling program in the first half of the season. 
Remember how many times an episode began with a scene at the money pitch showing some team member or members, quote unquote, checking in on progress, but not really us learning anything new or getting anything out of those scenes, right? This was frustrating, but if we knew why this was happening and what was going on to, to fix these issues, right? If we were doing that instead, maybe taking a check in to see where the permitting process was, where things were being held up, that would have been far less frustrating to us as viewers and certainly a lot more interesting. And also it seemed like in place of these projects, they had a lot of difficulty getting going with, the team instead spent a lot of time on what I would call sort of secondary things, like remember the quadrilateral, the uh, apparent rock something wall over on the beach there on Fred Nolan's old property, uh, this old well, right? And there, even though they were interesting and kind of cool, there was no really return on them. And, it, and I wasn't just sure why, I wasn't sure why they were doing this, right? Why we were spending so much time on these things, especially like stuff like the quadrilateral, which has been known for years and years and years. But now we know why. The main projects were being held up for one reason or another. Again, a peek behind the scenes here would have been so helpful, so interesting for the fans, for me, but also would have done so much to quiet down the conspiracy theorists that are always looking for some way to, to kill the Lagina's integrity because of things that the History Channel does. The blob stuff was exciting, potentially very exciting, and I include the garden shaft in that category as well. The thing is, and I think this is not a really a criticism, but more how I feel as a fan, it was exciting the end of the year last year too, right? This blob stuff was this is what we had the end of last year. And while sure the team made some progress in getting a little closer to what's causing these gold tests, I mean... It's, it was short progress, right? It was slow progress, not very many answers, kind of leaving us a lot pretty close to the same place we were at the end of last year. And the same thing goes for the muons, right? I mean, we ended last season with gold test results and possible muon imaging to get us all excited. And when it gets right down to it, we went an entire 25 season, 25 episode season, and we're sort of exactly in the same place we were this time last year, on both fronts. But like I said, the blob, despite time it's taking, is a very exciting project. This time they aren't searching on hope alone. And maybe the word of a treasure hunter from 150 years ago, you know, who, who uh, claimed to have found uh, a gold chain or something like that, right? Science is telling us that there may actually be gold, and that's not nothing. The prospect of a totally dried out swamp and excavated swamp is also extremely exciting. Although I too question whether such a thing is actually possible with the constraints of the government permitting guidelines they have been struggling with, it's exciting. I just hope that by the end of next year, we're kind of not in the same place we've been, which again, it just feels like this season, for all that I loved about watching it and all the time I invested into it and how much I love some of the things they went to, we're kind of in the same place we were this year with the two biggest projects, this water testing and these muon tests. A year gone and not much to show for it.
That's going to do it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can help out the show by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island if you think this show is worth five bucks a month to you. Uh, you can also make a one-time donation via Venmo. Just use the username at Dave McBride Music. If you'd like to help out the show in another way, then you could do so by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Thank you, everybody who's done that. Don't forget, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Diggin' Oak Island. And if you have any questions or comments that you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email at diggin'oakisland at gmail.com. Just keep in mind, if you do send me an email or a direct message on social media, I'm most likely to answer it right here on a future podcast. So if you don't want your message read aloud for whatever reason, just please make a note of that for me. Folks, this is going to be our last podcast for a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off on vacation, uh, and then I'll come back and we'll start finalizing dates and times to get some of these interviews done. That takes some time. Then I have to edit those. So it'll be a couple of weeks, a few weeks before you get another pod. You can always write me, diggingoakisland at gmail.com to get in touch. Uh, I hope you have a great summer. I'm hoping I do too. We're all we're, we're all looking forward to a great summer and some time off. But I promise you, as soon as I can get back to the Oak Island content, you will get a new episode in your feed. But for the next couple of weeks, for Dave, it is crown time. So until we speak again, thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.